back to the Messy Reformation. My name is Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaverdam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at Pease CRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. But we realize that whenever Reformation has happened in the history of the church, things get messy. So we're taking the opportunity to have conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's happening in our denomination, but also to find out what needs to happen for us to see Reformation. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. We are dropping episodes every single Monday. Also, take a moment, check out our website at themessyreformation.com. There you'll find articles and podcasts and an opportunity to have conversations about what we're talking about. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode where Willie and I talk about some of the current struggles in the CRC. All right, so Willie, we're all uh, we're all on the edge of our seat. Uh, we haven't had a chance to talk with you since the big day on September seventeenth, and actually, I've been telling people. You know, for both of us, September 17th is a day we'll probably never forget, right? On September 17th, I was uh, flying in a helicopter down to Madison, knocked mm-hmm. unconscious. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the and same I time as I was flying down there, you had uh, something big going on. So why don't you uh, give us an update about what happened on September 17th and what life's been like for the last couple of months? Yeah, that's true. Uh, while you were on your way to Madison, uh, I was on my way to the altar. <laughs> and uh, yeah. that was an absolutely wonderful day. Uh, uh, my wife and I were married uh, approximately 4.30 p.m. Uh, it was a wonderful time. Uh, a lot of people there to help celebrate it with us. We were very grateful for that. And I was just very grateful to see everybody around to support us and to commit themselves to us and to watch us make these pledges and commitments to each other. Um, so really, it was just it, it, it was a really good time. It was a really special time. The day went very well. Uh, I would probably say a little tense at times, but what wedding doesn't have that? Uh, ultimately, I'm just super grateful for everyone who was involved in uh, the planning of all this, uh, pulling everything off, uh, everyone who was in attendance who could be there and anybody who could watch it live and uh, have their presence known to us there. So yeah, thank you to anybody who's listening, who was involved with that. And uh, it was a wonderful time. Amen. Yeah. And I was bummed that I wasn't going to be able to be there for it, but but, uh, it's okay. We've been walking together long enough that I was, I was there. um, My presence throughout the last, however many years we've been walking together was there with you. And so uh, uh, super happy for you and joy and, uh, were you guys able to get away on a honeymoon yet, or or is that coming soon? No, we were able to get away, actually. Uh, two days after the wedding, on Sunday, we went up to her grandparents' cabin and spent a week up there. Um, and then the day after the honeymoon started, she and I actually came down with COVID. So <laughs> uh, we, uh, we spent the honeymoon up at the lake, uh, having COVID together. It was wonderful. We, we took the in sickness part pretty seriously. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's, you know, no better way to just get alone time than to have to quarantine. (laughs) Yeah. No joke. Uh, I would recommend. (laughs) No, not really. Yeah. 
No, I'm glad, uh, glad that uh, the marriage went well, glad to see, or the, the wedding ceremony went well, and uh, glad to hear that you guys, uh, sound like you're all both recovered from COVID, right? No, uh, no lingering symptoms for either of you? Uh, none for me. All my energy is back. Uh, my strength is, has been restored pretty well. Uh, my wife, Joy, she's got some lingering effects, some, some just dizziness and uh, kind of vertigo sort of things. So that's kind of, mm. uh, been a lasting effect on her over the last couple of weeks, especially. But, uh, I, I have faith that with some just prayer and good medicine and, uh, things of that nature, good home remedies that she'll be, she'll be back on her feet in the full swing of things. Amen. Yeah. And I'll just encourage all everybody listening. Uh, I know many of you have been praying for me throughout my recovery from COVID and we've watched God work powerfully uh, through your prayers. And so I'd encourage you to keep praying for joy as well, that God would restore her. She's, she runs her own dance studio. So it's a big deal for her not to be dizzy. Um, she runs a ballet studio, so that's a big deal. So just be praying for God to restore her health and and to be able to continue to do uh, fulfill her calling um, there. And uh, yeah, and I, I already kind of told my story and my update over the last couple of months um, last week in the podcast. I'm not going to get into that, but um, I'm still uh, just praising God for my recovery. I The amazing thing for me is I really have no lingering effects from COVID really. I mean, I'm, I'm still weak. I, I lost a ton of muscle and strength mm-hmm. and my lungs are still kind of coming back a little bit, but um, I don't have dizziness. I don't have the, uh, what they're calling like COVID brain, right? You kind of have like a brain fog and can't mm-hmm. think clearly. Um, I haven't had any of that. And uh, so um, yeah, still just praising God for his recovery. And it looks like I'll be back. Uh, back in the pulpit regularly um, on Thanksgiving for the Thanksgiving service, which is just, uh, I think, highly appropriate uh, for that to be my first one back. And I think my whole family will be out for that. My mom and dad, my brother and his family are all coming out to celebrate Thanksgiving with us. We're going to have a big old party um, thanking God for his recovery um, and the way he has just uh, blessed us. And I think they're going to be able to be there for the service when I first preach again after all of this. So uh, just super excited and uh, to get back in the pulpit. Um, I'm very much, you know, Willie knows this about me. Um, I forget where it is in scripture. I think it's Jeremiah, right? Who says something like, I tried to keep quiet, but then my heart just burned and I couldn't keep quiet any longer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's me. I, I know God has done that for me and I can be quiet for a while, but eventually God has laid stuff on my heart that I've got to speak. I've got to say. And so um, not being in the pulpit for it'll be almost three months. Um, by the time I, I get back, um, I've got a burning uh, to get back up there. So mm-hmm. uh, this last Sunday, it was nice. I'm kind of working my way back in. So I started off the service, got to do the call of worship, and then I ended the service with the blessing. And um, it just felt like I was back home. You know, I was getting one of those moments where I was back up there and I'm like, this is what God created me to do. And uh, mm-hmm. it felt really good. So yeah, praising God uh, for all of that. We've got a, a number of stuff going on. It's it's kind of interesting to get back in the swing of things and and try to get caught back up on what's going on in the CRC and what's happening with Reformation. And so Willie and I've been talking quite a bit. And one of the one of the things we wanted to have a discussion about was 
the banner. There's been a lot of talk about the banner recently and some of the articles they've been putting out. And, uh, you know, it seems like for the last number of years, when people disagree with what's being put on the banner and say like, or why are we promoting ideas that are contrary to our doctrine and our theology? Uh, the editors have said, well, just because it's in the banner doesn't mean we're promoting it. This is just a a, a kitchen table conversation is what uh, is what they keep saying. And that's why we can post these articles by uh, the most recent one that I've seen is uh, a book review of Brian McLaren and a book review that speaks very um, agreeably with what Brian McLaren has to say. And so, Willie, what are, what are your thoughts on some of the stuff that's been going on with the banner and just the idea that the banner is a, a kitchen table conversation? Well, I can't say at least what the banner has turned into over the last 10 years, maybe 15 even. I can't say that any of this is very surprising. Um, I guess I, I also can't say I'm surprised by a uh, subtle promotion of a book by somebody as a uh, unorthodox as as brian mclaren um it is really saddening to see i I really do wish that uh we were in a body a denominational body that uh that had something that uh, confessional reformed not just pastors uh but also elders deacons and parishioners uh, that came out uh, for us to read and look forward to uh, and that was actually edifying and theologically rich and deep and saturated in biblical truth. But, uh, no, it, it is disheartening to see. And uh, I remember having lunch with the editor from the banner when I was at Synod back in 2019, the last time they had Synod in person, actually, getting to be a while ago. And uh, we had a good conversation. But at the end of it, I, I kept just trying to cast some vision and I said, I I think there's a ton of pragmatics that are promoted in the banner. And I said, I think that's going to be the door out of the church, especially for younger people, instead of the door into the church. Um, I think younger people are, are kind of tired of, uh, of pragmatics and just being, being told, Oh, here, here's what's new. And uh, here, here are some ways that, uh, that you can fit in. Um, And it has nothing to do with scripture. It has nothing to do with the marks of the true church. It has nothing to do with being discipled and trained for leadership roles in the church. And uh, like I said, it was a good discussion, but that was where we parted ways. Um, But seeing some of the material that's coming out now doesn't shock me too much. And I just wonder how much further it can go. I don't know. Do you have any insight on that? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, one of the frustrating things, um, um, you know, a number of people commented on, on Facebook, um, you know, that, conversation is just a tool to push an agenda sure. and uh um and it's, it's very clear actually um as i look at the banner that that's what's going on because it's not a they keep saying it's a conversation but it's very clearly not a two-way conversation no it's, it's only not a, a conversation. it's a monologue yeah i mean you would never and i'm not saying they should but let's say somebody in the CRC wrote uh, an article promoting uh, white supremacy. Um, you would never see that get posted in the banner as, well, this is just a conversation piece. We, uh, 
you know, we're not really sure about this. Uh, um, we don't necessarily promote it. So we're just going to throw it out there to engage in, in conversation with. You would never see that happen, right? No. Or even if somebody would have wrote a piece in the last year or two or during the last election cycle, if you would have, somebody would have wrote a piece claiming that, you know, only a true Christian could vote for Donald Trump or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. It would never happen there. No. Um, and so it's only a one-way conversation. But um, here, here's the thing that, that struck me, actually, just as we've been talking about this. As I think about kitchen table conversations I have with my kids around the table, right? That's what a kitchen table conversation is, right? You sit down as a family and you talk about things. We don't just have conversations about random things and never come to a conclusion about them. Mm-hmm. So my kids will come to me, we'll sit down, we'll, we'll eat supper together, we'll talk about the day, what, they, what went on, conversations they had with friends, we'll do devotions. And then my kids will say, well, I had this conversation with so-and-so at school today, and they said this. And then we have a conversation about it, but the conversation ends after we've evaluated that statement by biblical standards, right? We don't just throw out random ideas. We don't just, I don't just sit there and say like, oh, that's an interesting thought. Let's move on. If, especially if it's unorthodox and untrue to God's word. Right. Talk about it. We evaluate it. And, and that's what's getting frustrating is uh, there's all these just vague things being said in the banner and uh, whether they want to admit it or not, they're actually promoting these vague ideas and they're never getting evaluated according to scripture. They're never being used to guide the church and, and edify the church, which is the calling um, of leadership in the church, right? Uh, I was thinking back to our interview, uh, that was a number of months ago with Aaron DeBoer, and he had mentioned that one of the big failures of the CRC is our lack of understanding of true Presbyterian leadership, right? True elder-led churches and true, a truly elder-led denomination. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we truly had elders leading the denomination, they'd be fulfilling their calling. And, and what's their calling? Not just to have a conversation about all the random ideas out there in the world, but their calling is to equip the saints for works of ministry. That's the job of, a, of leaders in the church. And that should be what the banner is trying to do, is trying to equip us for works of ministry, not just not become the next uh, Mars Hill, um, like the Mars Hill that, that Paul encountered, where all, all they did was sit around and talk about the newest ideas. Um, mm-hmm. That's not what the banner should be, and the Bible never says we should do that, but our goal should be to equip the saints for works of ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen. Uh, that, that's always been on my mind. Um, what does true discipleship look like? Does it actually look like just throwing a broad and vague topic out that seemingly has no end and then sitting there shaking your heads about it going, well, I don't have any idea about how to solve this. Uh, instead, why are we not weighing things uh, you know, like Calvin did? <laughs> he, he, he tested everything he believed by the pages of holy writ, for goodness sake. Uh, but we're okay with just leaving a conversation open-ended uh, especially one that could have dire consequences. So I, I do agree. I think as far as the banner goes, they could do a far better job, even of engaging with different perspectives. It seems like 
I don't know, maybe call me crazy, but whenever more conservative minds are in control of platforms such as the banner, you are always taught what the counter perspective is, at least. Um, and they recognize falsehood for falsehood. Uh, and they, they obviously point out the truth where it is. But the job is to equip you not just to know the truth, but also to know what is not the truth. Um, so that the truth can shine more brightly and be known far more in our churches and our congregations. Amen. And yeah, that's uh, one of the things, well, you've known that from being in our youth ministry, whenever we would teach on something, um, I would spend just as long teaching you what um, the argument against that would be, right? So when we yes. taught on um, election, predestination, infant baptism, any of that, I would spend a very significant time laying out the argument against infant baptism or the argument against uh, Calvinism. And uh, I've had that pounded in my head for such a long time. I had one professor in college who just uh, pounded in my head, thankfully, uh, um, that we should be able to explain the other side's argument better than they can. Yes. Um, That's what, that's the Christian thing to do, not to, not to misrepresent them, not to twist their argument, not to put up a straw man, but to truly understand their argument, explain it the way they would explain it, and then make your case as to why it's, why it's wrong. And, uh, and that's what I would love to see happening in, in the banner, that we could, we could lay these things out. Nobody's saying we should never interact with opinions we disagree with i'm interacting with opinions i disagree with every single day but we're taking them all back to scripture and we're measuring against scripture and trying to wrestle through that and uh and that's what i i just don't see happening um in the banner which is why i don't really i don't read it i I don't even i don't let my kids read it either because i feel like it's going to um to lead them astray yeah, I, I kind of agree. I still know of a few families who do still have their subscription. And every now and then I'll, I'll get a, a text message uh, and they're listening right now and they know who they are. Um, so uh, we, we'll have we'll have a good discussion about these things. And at the very least, you could call it a conversation piece. Most of the time, it's pretty much lamenting about uh, a lack of theological development that is happening Uh, in our denomination because of things like the banner? Uh, Is it actually promoting biblical truth? Is it actually trying to help equip the saints for works of ministry? Is it actually trying to uh, help us live out our calling, which is to glorify God and to fully enjoy him forever? I think generally speaking, the answer is no. Obviously, we know several people who, who have written several fantastic articles for the banner, but those are few and far between. And I think we need to recognize that as such. Um, and not paint a general rule saying, oh, no, this one person, you know, every 15th article is really, really good, uh, to which I would say that is very poor, and that is not a good ratio. Uh, and we need more people who are, first of all, willing to write more orthodox truth uh, for the banner. And second of all, the uh, the people who edit the banner need to be willing to go ahead and, and hear out the counter perspective. And even if they disagree with it, publish it anyway. Uh, because it's only yeah. gonna, it's only it's only gonna benefit the hearers of those who are are hearing it and reading it and and engaging with these views. 
Well, and it's what I think is interesting. Um, the, this piece um, about Brian McLaren, I think is very uh, symbolic maybe of what's going on in the church, in the CRC. Um, because I think, I think people start are kind of drawn to this Brian McLaren thing um, because of this reaction to the CRC. Um, you know, the past, the CRC was known for, uh, well, what I'm told anyways, the CRC was known for being kind of prideful and arrogant about our theology. We acted like we knew everything. We were super smart. We were better than everybody else. Um, and so there's been this reaction now to say, well, no, we're, we're humble now. And we're going to act like we don't know. We, we live in doubt all of the time. We don't really know what's true. We don't really know who's right. So let's all get along. Um, and I, I just had this conversation. I have this conversation. I've got a close friend who's in ministry. He's grown up, grown up in the CRC his whole life. And he kind of leans that way a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, we had that conversation the other day um, where I was talking to him and he said something like, you know, well, we need to stop being arrogant, thinking that we're right all the time. <laughs> and I said, that's not arrogance. I said, we all think we're right. Otherwise, if we thought we were wrong, we, we wouldn't believe it, right? We would change our mind. Everybody thinks they're right. And then I told them, I mean, even you think you're right right now. You think you're right that we shouldn't think we're right. And I know that sounds funny, but that's the truth. You're, you're making this absolute statement. We should all live this way. And I'm saying, no, we should all think that we're right, but be open to have a conversation and maybe be open to maybe we're wrong and then evaluate that. But we should think that we're right. And so there's this idea in the CRC, we want to promote doubt because we think it's humility. And actually, it's this funky kind of arrogance um, where, where we're refusing to humbly submit to what God has told us. Mm-hmm. And the arrogance is that we are smart enough that mm-hmm. uh, we'll figure it out on our own and we'll, you know, God's not real clear on these things where actually hum- true humility is saying, I'm not, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I don't know how to understand this thing, but thank God he's told me how to understand the world and how to live in it. So I'm just going to trust him. And that's true humility. That's not living in doubt is this faux sense of humility that's been designed by Satan himself. Mm-hmm. yeah no i completely agree with that and i always think of the quote from calvin um the greatest arrogance is ignorance yeah um, and i and I, I think when we when we hear that when we hear that statement are you really putting on a face of just saying oh i i have no idea and then masking using that as a mask and calling it humility um because what humility actually is is, is considering others more significant than yourself um but that doesn't mean that you back down from what the truth is. I mean, we're, we're told to cultivate humility in our lives. But Jude also says that we need to be willing to contend for the truth and contend for the faith. Not that we're to be contentious in our natures, um, but whenever uh, the gospel or the word of God or truth is under attack, we need to be willing to go to bat for it uh, and, and give no quarter. I think there are plenty of things that are within the realm of orthodoxy that we can maybe agree to disagree on, that we can have a, a two-way conversation about. But uh, 
there is certainly error that we ought not give any time of day to. And I think we would do well to remember that. Amen. I, I think there's just this false, this mm-hmm. false idea that, that humility is contrary to boldness. And uh, what, I, what I have spoken about so often is that actually true boldness can only flow out of humility. A true boldness to be able to speak the truth in difficult situations flows from a humility that I am not my own, but belong body and soul and life and in death to Jesus Christ. And so in that humility, I'm willing to say what needs to be said. Um, but if we're always worried about ourselves, focused on ourselves, um, it only inspires fear. We're worried about what will happen to us, what people will think about us, what people will say about us. And uh, that doesn't actually inspire any boldness but but you look at jesus you look at moses right moses bible mm-hmm. says is you know one of the most humble people besides jesus to ever live was moses bold yeah he was bold right stepped in the presence of pharaoh wasn't sure if he was going to get killed right you look at jesus who was the you know jesus was the humblest person to ever walk the earth and uh, the way he spoke to the pharisees the way he spoke to um kings and rulers, he, he was not afraid of them. Why? Because he knew that the father held him in his hand. He was humble. And that stirs a true boldness. And that's just a reminder for us, as well as we, as we look at reformation in the CRC, um, we don't speak boldly out of our own strength. If we do that, it won't be a true boldness, and it won't be fruitful for the kingdom of God. Um, we, we exhibit boldness only because we know that God is telling us to speak. We have nothing to say. I have nothing to say except for what God has told me to say and what God has taught me in scripture. And so that's the only reason I have any level of boldness, right? There's quite often where I feel like a total pansy and I, and I don't say what I should say out of fear, but those times when I do speak boldly, I know it's only by uh, the grace of God. Yeah. No, amen. And and I really think what we need is, uh, I think Steve Lawson said this, we don't necessarily need more preachers, but we need better preachers who will actually declare this from, from our pulpits and be teaching it in our churches so that the saints will be equipped and that this will permeate culture and be taught in our schools, in our streets, in our communities. I'm glad you brought Steve Lawson into the mix because um, it, it really ties this whole subject up because my f- favorite, and you know what I'm going to say, my favorite preaching clip of Steve Lawson connects exactly to what we're going to say. And I encourage you, go on YouTube, look up Steve Lawson. Um, he's, he's, he's talking about Joel Osteen without actually saying it. Um, you can find it on, uh, oh, shoot, what do they call it? Reformed. Um, reformed funny moments. Reformed fun. It's not funny moments, though. Reformed thug life. Quote, Larry King, because we've had ministers on our program who said, you either believe in Christ or you don't. If you believe in Christ, you're going to heaven. And if you don't, no matter what you've done in your life, you ain't. I wonder what minister would ever say that on the Larry King (laughs) program. It wasn't Deepak, I'll tell you that. (laughs) 
listen to the response of one of the biggest, grandest Christian so-called leaders in America. Yeah, I don't know. I still think he'd make a great weatherman someday, but... His wife's really a better preacher, but anyway. So here it goes. Can we get some air conditioning in here? To Larry King, yeah, I, I don't know. There's probably a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but I think that if you know Christ, if you're a believer in God, that you're going to have some good works. I think it's a cop-out to say, I'm a Christian, but I don't ever do anything. Well, that, even, that doesn't even answer the question. King, what if you're Jewish, as he is? What if you're a Muslim? and you don't accept Christ at all, question mark, the answer, you know, <laughs> I'm very careful about saying who would and who wouldn't go to heaven. I don't know. <laughs> King, if you believe you have to believe in Christ, they're wrong, aren't they? Referring to the Jews, referring to the Muslims. The answer. I'm just reading this, okay? Well, I don't know. I don't know if I believe they're wrong. I spent a lot of time in India with my father. I don't know about all their religion, but I know they love God. No, they don't. They hate God. I don't know. I've seen their sincerity so on worldwide television, so I don't know. Give us some men who know the truth. And who will declare the truth. And who will stand with Athanasius and Polycarp and Calvin and Luther and Whitfield and Edwards. And who will declare from the housetops that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That's all we have for this week. Stay tuned next week for part two of Willie and I's conversation about current issues in the CRC. Until then, don't forget this is Christ Church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season, and keep fighting the good fight in this messy Reformation.